When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A boundary I found is not something that you set set once and forget about it. Um, it's something right. that we're continually renegotiating. And again, we change our minds about things sometimes and mm-hmm. things get forgotten and we have to have those conversations again. And um, yeah, I think it just, again, because our family dynamic before was very much leave everything unsaid and then get mad at people for not reading your mind. Um, with my grandparents around, I will say not not just my parents, but um, coming to it and trying to be more direct in this way that started out, I think, again, they were a little befuddled and bemused by it, has made other conversations easier. It has become more matter of fact for us to just bring things up Um before it turns into something to fight about and and to have more open discussions. So that's been a good byproduct of it, I think. Welcome to That's a Hard No, the podcast about saying no and setting boundaries. To help you become the authentic and empowered you that this world needs. I'm Heather Drago. And I'm Sarah Saunders. For those of you returning, thanks for sticking with us. We appreciate you and we're glad you're finding your content helpful. For those of you who are new, welcome and thanks for joining us. We're excited to have you here. Feel free to jump in with this episode, but be sure to go back and listen to our first episode to learn why we're here. A quick reminder, while Sarah is a licensed professional clinical counselor, this podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one therapy with a mental health professional. If you are struggling with mental health issues, we welcome you on this journey but also invite you to seek out professional help. Go to this episode's page on our website and click the link to find a therapist near you. With that said, let's get started. Regular listeners will recognize the name of at least one of today's guests, Rihanna Carusis of Collective Reach and the Social Distance Happy Hour podcast. You hear me mention her at the end of each of our podcast episodes because she and her husband, Davis, inspired and challenged us to start this podcast. And we're so excited to finally have them here on That's a Hard No. Rihanna and Davis Carusis are a young professional couple that found themselves living as what they call hobbyist farmers deep in the suburbs, which is a complete left turn from their original plan. During our conversation, we talk about how that major life change came to be the boundaries they had to set as a couple to make their new life manageable, finding connection as a couple when life is crazy, 
and accepting whatever season of life we find ourselves in. We also learn about life on the farm, including when to plant fruit trees, cautionary tales about buying goats and keeping bees, and how to keep young chicks warm. They're an engaging and totally adorable couple. You can just sense that in addition to being life partners, they're best friends. We had a ton of fun talking with them, and we're super excited that we somehow finagled an invite to the farm sometime in the future. I've already picked out the boots I'm going to wear. Well, anyway, without further ado, Rihanna and Davis Carusis. Welcome, Rihanna and Davis. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for, Thank you for having, having us. us. It's so good to see you again and to to be back in the recording studio. I know it's like full circle. Like you helped us start this whole thing <laughs> and dealt with me screaming about how do I edit this thing <laughs> and, and kind of n- nudged us along and here you are. Yes, you are the uh, phoenix that has um, <laughs> flourished <laughs> from the ashes of our uh, tried and abandoned uh, podcast project. Oh, I loved your podcast. So I do too. Yeah, I think it's great. I think it's just fun. It's like talking to friends, kind of, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. It's like uh, a, a verbal, like, scrapbook that you get to keep yeah, too, which is exactly. really nice. Yeah. 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 Davis, say something. What? I agree. No, I agree. You're super quiet. In general? Sorry. Do we need to do a little bit of like marital therapy here? Or (laughs) are are we good? I'm just going to, I'm just here for the ride today. So that's how we're going to be handling this. Well, I'm sure everyone got a little taste of it, but let's, uh, let's start with basics and and let our listeners get to know you a little bit. Tell us about yourselves. Okay, um, I'm getting the go first <laughs> signal from my suddenly shy husband. Uh, I'm Rihanna. Uh, Davis and I have been together since 2007. We got together in college, so it's been a good long time. I'm a communications consultant, and uh, we live in Medina, which is a southern sub- suburb of Cleveland. Yep, and I am Davis. Um I've been happily with Rihanna for all of that time. It's been very wonderful and very nice. And uh, I am a financial systems consultant for school districts. I basically help them do their payroll and worry about the system they're on and stuff like that. So it's pretty good. That's not too bad. Yeah, you keep it going. Keep those school systems going. That's important. You've got to pay people, right? That's right. That's That's crucial. Crucial. that's That's the main part of my job for sure. So you live in Medina, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. is, um, if people aren't familiar with the greater Cleveland area, it's, it's a pretty far out Southern suburb known for football, high school football. It's a big thing there. Um, had, is that where you grew up? Well, like, tell us how you ended up in Medina and, and, as far I, I think I remember talking with Rihanna like that wasn't your plan. Like that was Not you guys were more city dwellers. Tell us tell us what happened. Yeah. So um, having grown up in Medina, um, and we'll get to this in a second, but I I'm living across the street from where I grew up. Uh, no sidewalks. No really no um, like city center. Uh, 
it just felt very remote, even though, you know, it's a half hour drive to Cleveland and and there's stuff to do. But um, I felt like I never wanted to live deep in the suburbs again. And we, when we moved, we lived in South Carolina for a while. And when we came back up here, moved to Cleveland proper, we lived in Detroit Shoreway, went to Lakewood for a little bit. um, And then we lived in Ohio City. And I was like, hardcore. I always want to live in the city. We sold our second car and I walked to work for a couple of years. Right. Um, and Which we was very really, nice. It, it worked yeah. out really well. Like it was a good um, groove that we were in. Like we both had good jobs. We had a lot of fun living in the city. Mm-hmm. We yeah. had a decent group of friends around us, that sort of thing. We had thing, no kids. So. so, you know, yeah. could go do what we wanted when we wanted. It felt like the environmentally responsible thing to do. I felt very smug about, right. you know, my carbon footprint not being uh, so big with no car. Um, I really liked it. But then a bunch of stuff all culminated at once. We changed our minds about not having kids mm-hmm. and had our first son, George, right at the same time that my uh, paternal grandparents, who I had grown up across the street from in Medina, um, they're, they were getting really old, their health both took a turn uh, turn at the same time, and they were ending up needing to go into a nursing home facility. And um, when I was scheduled to go back from maternity leave, I was working for an elected official in Cleveland, who lost his primary race when I when I went was supposed to go back. So um, I decided not to go back to work. And we decided, uh, you know, the house was going to go to my dad and he couldn't keep up with property taxes. We've got 40 acres between the, between my dad and my grandparents. Um, so our, like in our family for generations property where everyone had, you know, grown up and had memories was going to get probably sold and parceled out if we didn't step up and and move in. So, and, and running up into this, uh, like the, the year before we did the move because their health was failing and they had to move and stuff. We started coming down to Medina more often and, you know, mowing the lawn, cutting trees, like just doing some of the work that wasn't getting done just as a way to help out to the best that we can. So the property just didn't go into ruin even in that short frame of time. And so, and then when we were down here, we're like, Oh, it'd be really interesting. Like what would it be like to move down here and do all of this stuff? And then like Rihanna said, it all sort of came to a head like in a week, probably, I think maybe that not that short, but very quickly yeah. of like, we need to make a decision. What are we going to do? All of that stuff. Yeah. So, so it it was to, to sum it all up. It was not what we, I think, had seen for ourselves if there was, you know, a five year mm-hmm. plan in there. But the yeah. opportunity cost of um, staying in the city versus coming out here was just just too much. So mm-hmm. we decided mm-hmm. to to pack up and and go back to being country folk. <laughs> yeah. So where you were living before had that cool factor, you know, yes. like if people don't know the area, Ohio City is just this very cool part of right on the edge of downtown Cleveland. And it's sort of up and coming, lots of rehabilitation and cool shops and, you know, the, yeah. uh, West Side Market and just all this cool stuff. Lakewood's very walkable, very cool. A lot of young people live there. Detroit is also very cool. Like those are the cool, yeah, fun areas to live. So yeah. I'm guessing um there was a little bit of like grieving, letting go, like coming to terms with okay, we're growing up now and not being the 
we're not as young as we were kind of a thing or like what were your, what were your feelings like at that time? Totally. Or was it just exciting? Cause like, Oh, we're making all these big changes and moving. Or was I don't it know if it was exciting. Mix? I think it was much more of like a, we, we had built a decent foundation in Cleveland and then we we're like, all right, we have a good foundation. And then we had a pretty serious talk about having kids and what that would look like for us and that sort of thing. So then we had George, which he's wonderful and great, of course. Um, but like Rihanna said that I think if we, maybe we didn't say we had a five-year plan or a 10-year plan. I think deep down, we probably knew we were going to end up down here anyways at some point, just because it's a lot of land. It's fun to drive a tractor sometimes and do that <laughs> kind of stuff. Um, but I would say we were having a pretty good time um, in the city doing things. And it definitely um, took us some time to, to, we definitely cut off a lot of things that I think we were really used to at that point of just living in the city, going to the market, that sort of stuff. So, And Rihanna, I'm curious for you, because when you first started out talking, you were like, I was never going back there. And here I am. My reality is I'm doing what I said I was never going to do. Can you walk us through that? Yeah. So um, I, I guess I just, I always, you know, I, you take for granted what you grow up with. I feel like um, I I was born in Lakewood, actually. And so my very early childhood memories were of walking to kindergarten and being around people and having easy access to my friends. And um, and aside from that, aside from just the fun and, and kind of fantasy convenience of living in a more urban setting, Medina is also very um, homogenous. And uh, I think Davis and I both, you know, sort of pride ourselves as, you know, young progressives who want our kids to grow up with um, exposure to lots of different types of people. And and I sort of felt like a fish out of water in school, too, um, in terms of, you know, this is a very conservative area. And it just didn't feel like a place where we were going to fit. And to be honest, it still, you know, still feels that way to some degree, even though we've been here for a few years now and are, are carving our, our way into places um, and, and trying to work for that change. But um, yeah, it kind of felt like, like quitting or failing a little bit to come back, even though, you know, no one could say that this was a, a bad move for us. We inherited a, a big old farm and, and we get yeah. to drive a tractor and we get to, you know, this, we are incredibly, incredibly privileged and mm -hmm. fortunate. Um, but there was definitely some like pride and feeling like we were kind of like, like you said, Heather, cool and gritty and, and, you know, mm -hmm. sticking to our, our, um, principles of, mm -hmm trying to live an uh, urban, compact, uh, environmentally conscious, uh, diverse, progressive lifestyle, and then just, um, you know, ending up off the highway deep in the suburbs. That was, <laughs> it was tough. That is very tough. Um, um, and, and there was definitely some like cognitive dissonance with that, that is, is tricky to navigate. But again, it was, it was, uh, it was give up the place that, despite all of that, holds so many of my childhood memories um, and watching it, you know, turn into something else completely or uh, 
changing our minds and and yeah. being okay with with mm-hmm. not going backwards but coming back to a place and making new decisions and i think you really hit on that you know changing your mind and i think that your story and what you guys are sharing is going to resonate with a lot of people because this common theme you know, that a lot of us go through is, okay, we have a plan, we have a goal. And then when we don't accomplish that, we think it's that automatic black and white extremist thinking we're failing when really you just took a detour. And, and so I think, you know, it's, it's so helpful to hear you talk about this and, and now where you're at, I'm sure you can't even imagine, you know, doing things differently. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's, it was really hard to divorce the lifestyle change of parenthood from the lifestyle change of moving. Um, it sort of reminds me of when I grad, when we graduated from college, um, Davis and I moved to a small town in South Carolina. And I remember, you know, 22, 23, 24, feeling like really lonely times. Um, it was really hard to make friends and feel like we fit in Mm -hmm. where we were living, but you know, the question is, am I desperately lonely because I am living in this new place and I don't fit in? Or am I desperately lonely because I'm not in college anymore and my best friends don't live, you know, in the next dorm room over? And same thing with early parenthood. I'm sure Heather and Sarah, you would uh, you would agree that early motherhood can be a very strange and isolating and lonely place mm-hmm. to be even mm-hmm. as wonderful as it is. Um, and I was doing that you know, far away from where I had been. So I would imagine some of that loneliness would have carried through had we stayed where we were. Um, You know, we're not bopping over to the brewery and hanging out with our friends with abandon and doing all the things that we would have done pre-kids anyway. But um, yeah, it's hard to separate the two because they happened at the same time. I think transition times like that are really tough. I'm thinking about my son when he left college, he really struggled and it was, it was really tough, like no longer having that structure and where he mm-hmm. was living. And now he's stuck back at home in his parents' house, and, <laughs> you know? And then when we started talking about it, it turned out other people I knew that were my age or a little bit younger, they went through the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I think anytime we make major life changes or major moves, it it can be very tumultuous, very lonely, very confusing. Mm -hmm. It can be really tough. So, and and I'm imagining like, not only were you going through all these changes, but like you didn't have the same network you had before. Mm. So you were rebuilding all of that. Mm -hmm. And I can, you know, actually relate to you two a lot. My husband, Justin and I, we live downtown Cleveland. We were in the Worthington Square um, apartments uh, right there. And so we ended up getting married, having a baby and moving to the suburbs all in the same year. And so that transition period plus the motherhood, your nor- your normalcy that you had, it's like everything changed all at once. And so you're just trying to like get your footing, figure out who am I as a new mom? Who am I in this new environment? Who are we as parents? It's like a lot of pieces that we're trying to put together. Yeah. Yeah. So we talked about some of the tough stuff, just the emotional stuff. Um, did, did, did it 
do you feel like you guys bonded more or like you uh, it challenged your relationship more? Like, did you see your relationship changing um, amongst all these environmental changes? From my perspective, we um, we were really good at moving together. I think before we came out here, we moved every single year that we were together. Um, so finding out how we function in a place where we're planning on be for being for the foreseeable future was interesting. Um, we, I think we make plans a little bit differently. And that was, it's interesting how that plays out. I'm very much a list maker and a plan maker. And I, I, it, it, um, I take a lot of comfort in seeing everything mapped out. Uh, and that super stresses Davis out. Um, he, that feels like an urgent to-do list when he sees everything in front of him. I don't know if he mm. would agree with that, but uh, um, that has been something that has, that we have had to figure out how to navigate. I, I don't like flying by the seat of my pants or you know we have a, t- a ton of work as you know as we've i've complained about <laughs> to you off, <laughs> offline <laughs> um and so it's all really daunting and figuring out how to um how to become not just a parenting team and a marriage team but also a uh farm project management team has been yeah, like the biggest team, challenge of sure. our relationship mm-hmm. but i think we yeah yeah so just figuring out our work styles it does sort of feel like we're co-workers in that yeah. way that we never really have been before mm-hmm. um and Sarah, being the relationship expert you are i'm sure the challenge then is to maintain the emotional relationship and not let the, all the transactional stuff take over. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm curious, how did you guys navigate that? Was that something that you were able to do? Just the two of you? Did you reach out for help? Did you get mentors to kind of coach you through some of this? How how did you navigate? Well, I will say one resource that we have not touched on yet, um, but that has been a um, major presence in all of this is my parents live across the street, um, which has been a great blessing as we have young kids. And so it takes a village. Yeah, it does. It really does. Um, So really, most of the time, anything that would resemble a date night is uh, we get childcare for a while and like go get covered in mouse poop cleaning out the garage or <laughs> or killing grapevines in the barn rafters yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So it really, I mean, our bonding time a lot of times is our working side by side time, but it really feels compared to having to do that while we're parenting, it does feel like a time to connect and a time to talk. Um, so yeah, that I, I would say that has been how we have best navigated the, the keeping open communications and, and nurturing our relationship. It's just a lot of multitasking. Um, unfortunately, especially in the past year since everything's been shut down and there really is no, no escaping. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's been, I think that's been, 
has been trying just because like Rihanna says, I think we've always been good about um, saving our interactions, like the one-on-ones for those when the parents, when her, my in-laws can take the kids for a little bit. Cause then we can decompress and joke and stuff like that without having kids going, why aren't you paying attention to us rather than, or dogs or any of that stuff. And I, I for the last year, it yeah. definitely has been, we've had to like adjust um, how that works, which I think has just been more screen time in general and then escaping from that moment to create our own space together. Um, but that, and so it definitely has been tougher lately, but I think we're both looking forward to when they can go back across the street or even spend the night and for a while and just have like a, a work session where we go find a project that we've been putting off, but also like going and having a drink somewhere outside and having a nice little time. <laughs> yeah. Sure. So, a yeah. Real date. A real yes. date. Yeah. A real date. <laughs> Well, and I'm curious because I think it's almost like because you guys are partners in so many different areas, you know, with the the house projects you're doing with the farm, then you have parenting and there's so many things that is conjoined. And I'm wondering then and how Heather had mentioned, too, there's a lot of like transactional, almost like business like action Uh that's happening. And it's sometimes in our relationships, it's like we see that check engine light go off, like, wait a second, something seems off, something needs maintenance. And so how do you go about that? And what are your go-tos that kind of helps the two of you ground yourself in your emotional um, connection? <laughs> I think what we're still working question. on that a little bit. Um, I, uh, oh, so it, Crossword that's, puzzles. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. that honesty, though, because yeah. I think that... It's not easy. Right, right. And we're all figuring it out. And it's important to... Yeah, for all of us to assess, like, are we tending to this? And what, what are we doing? Yeah, yeah, it's, it has been really hard, because they're really, especially when things, uh, we've kind of gone, we have cycled through periods of time where the kids, we do have access to childcare and don't. And those times where we are stuck in the house all together at the same time, the kids are three and five now, and there is no... Um, there is really no time where we're not just Mm -hmm. managing the household. If it's a few minutes before one of us falls asleep at night to just talk and check in, um, that's, that has to sustain us. But we have, we, I laughed and said crossword puzzles before Davis and I even started, um, dating in college. We had a couple of classes together and we would sit next to each other and do the crossword puzzle in, in, uh, and get in Rihanna class. in trouble. And um, we have like started. The of my yeah. Rihanna interactions <laughs> in college. Was I got. We were. Yeah. We were in a. The truth is coming out. <laughs> a 400 person seminar class that you would maybe get called on once ever. And uh, we were in the middle of a crossword puzzle when I got called on. Okay. And I had no idea what she said. And I got. I got and then I was laughing in front of it, 400 I'm, people. <laughs> whatever it was, it was wonderful. And Rihanna is not the kind of student to get in trouble at all anyways. So No. <laughs> and so you're still, after that traumatic experience, <laughs> engaging in these crossword puzzles. Yeah. <laughs> those yeah, are both true. Her. But <laughs> yeah, to what she's saying. So like, um, I don't, I might've been right around january i was like you know what it'd be nice just to do something with you again like we hadn't done anything together and the crossword puzzle is so 
it, yeah. on, in the scale of things, it means nothing, but like we set aside an hour or sometimes better, yeah. right? When we knock it's it out just really time. quickly, yeah. like just do a crossword puzzle yeah. together, joke, and, yeah. have a little bit of good times and then ignore the kids and dogs as much as we can while it happens. So, so we just have to like move around the house <laughs> to different locations yeah. when they can't get us. So. Yeah, we get interrupted a thousand times during it, but it, it's the one thing that we have right now. So <laughs> I think that's great. I mean, you guys, in a couple of weeks, I'll have been married 25 years and we're still figuring all that out. We're still we still realize we'll look up and be like, oh, we haven't checked in with each other for a really long time and things are not great. Like it. it it's just it's a constant figuring it out, adjusting, t- trying new things. And when they're little, it's just so, so hard because you're just at, at the mercy of these little tyrants all the time. <laughs> and and you're you're we are different parents at every age and stage of our child. And we're also every season of our life, we have to check in with each other and figure out what do we need in those seasons. And there are certain things that may have worked you know, before, but we kind of have to, um, you know, go back to the drawing board and, you know, figure out what we need. And I love the playfulness that I get from you guys. And just that, you know, sometimes it is going back to the basics and going back to what we know and just getting creative um, and setting those boundaries. And so in order to kind of create that, are there no's that you have had to put in place in order to protect the relationship. Yeah. So growing up, it's been, I think one of the hardest things about this, again, it has just been returning to the setting of my own childhood while I'm figuring out how to be a parent. Um, I, I know that early parenthood really, at least in my experience, has driven me to think about my own childhood more than I ever had before. And it's weird, literally coming back to the place where it happened and, and seeing my my kids' childhood superimposed on my own and my, my parenting superimposed on the type of parenting I was raised with. And um, when my grandparents lived in this house and I lived across the street with my parents who are again, still there. Um, boundaries were like, not a thing. They were like a bad word. Basically, um, we would, I would walk across the street whenever I wanted and just let myself into my grandparents house, and <laughs> start raiding their refrigerator or, you know, it was, it was, uh, no holds barred. Everyone's in everyone's business. My grandparents had a ton of opinions about how my parents parented. And and, um, there was a lot of, and I don't think this is uncommon. um, So if my parents ever hear this, I I hope they, you know, know that I'm not uh, trying to hurt their feelings, but like feeling responsible for uh, grownups feelings and, you know, um, just a, a lot of, all, I guess I would say all no's for me were hard no's for a long time. And coming back here, we also, uh, our house is a ranch and it's nothing but picture windows. So if you are outside the house, you can see what's happening inside the house pretty much anywhere. So literally when we moved in, there were a lot of, um, we had to set a lot of boundaries and a lot of conditions of like, 
we we are not my grandparents. You need to tell us if you want to come over and get us to say it's okay. Um, if you want to come take a walk over here, because our side is a little more um, walkable. Uh, if you can see in the windows of the house, you're too close. <laughs> like... <laughs> literal physical boundaries of like, I don't want to be changing my clothes in the bedroom and look out and make eye contact with my dad. That was your exact Um, statement to him. Wow. Yes. (laughs) So like very literal physical boundaries and saying out loud for the first time, like we love you, but we are not going to treat this like we live together. We are neighbors and we need to show mutual respect for privacy and, um, and really kind of rewrite the rules of, of living here. Was that difficult? To bring it up. We had a lot. Yeah. We talked about it yes. a lot. Because was... of course you don't want to. I mean, we rely on them for a lot initially, right? Pre-pandemic, it was easy to see them and stuff too. So we didn't want to stri- strike a nerve that we didn't realize really existed, you know, like just unintended and then have to navigate all of that mm-hmm. as well. So. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that that is what happens so often is that it's like this walking on eggshells because it's like we're trying to identify as parents, you know, what do we want? Although, and I I think it, it, it needs to be said, like our parents and generationally, we, they did the best that they could with what they had. Mm -hmm. And now that we have all of this new information, it's not to fault our parents, but now that we are educated and we have more insight, we're choosing to do things differently. And that can feel wrong in some Mm -hmm. ways. We can feel like like, a rejection. Yes. Right. Right. And mm-hmm. and so this walking on eggshells, we're trying to figure out what's in alignment with us. What do we want to be instilling, you know, the values and the morals with our children? But then also, what can we kind of just like, oh, I'll let this slide type of thing. Mm-hmm. And that's where some of that like people pleasing and the expectations, it starts to get all, you know, jumbled. And I would say it even, yeah. their mentality yeah. of coming over here also sort of trickled into the neighbors. We don't have a lot of neighbors at all. We have two that also have relatively big properties, but there's definitely is a, oh, let's just go over and see them or let's go ask them for something. And like, just not realizing that they also probably want to have their same space. And so we've also had to sort of navigate and manage that relationship. So when when they say, Davis, can you just reach out and ask them to borrow their bigger tractor or something like that? It's like, well, I mean, I could, but that I feel like that's crossing a boundary with them that they, I don't want to put them on the spot to borrow something as well or, and that sort of thing. So um, I think it's been helpful for them to sort of see, um, how the boundaries can be set up to be beneficial for everybody and just make everyone feel comfortable. Um, but it definitely was tough for Rihanna initially right. to sort of draw that line. So, Was it difficult in like the, the lead up, like how are they going to take this and how am I going to say it and the anxiety? Um, and then how did they like take it? It was it difficult in the action. Like, yeah. Yeah. How did happened? they receive it? Yeah. How did they receive it? Um, so I think, um, number one, setting these boundaries, I think is what drove me to therapy for the first time in my life. So yeah, it was hard. Um, uh, but 
I think because, because we tried to do it preemptively, like before we moved in, we sat down with them because I didn't want it to be like something that we left unsaid and they crossed a boundary that they didn't know existed because I hadn't said it and then, you know, got in a fight about it. I wanted to set it up before we moved in. And I think they sort of took it as a little like, I I don't know, hyper, um, what's the word? Like they were almost bemused by it. Like, oh, Rihanna's so, you know, (laughs) wants things done a certain way. And I was also, again, super early into motherhood and had still held on to all of those extremely rigid parenting beliefs about plastic toys and screens and, you know, all of those things that had not (laughs) completely crumbled um, yet. So, yeah, I think they kind of took it as like, oh, okay, yeah, we're not a little bit insulted, but a little bit amused too. But I mean, it's been something that, you know, we've had to, a boundary I found is not something that you set set once and forget about it. Um, it's something that we're continually renegotiating. And again, we change our minds about things sometimes and Mm -hmm. things get forgotten and we have to have those conversations again. And, um, yeah, I think it just, again, because our family dynamic before was very much leave everything unsaid and then get mad at people for not reading your mind. Um, with my grandparents around, I will say not, not just my parents, but, um, coming to it and trying to be more direct in this way that started out, I think, again, they were a little befuddled and bemused by it has made other conversations easier. It has become more matter of fact for us to just bring things up, um, before it turns into something to fight about and and to have more open discussion. So that's been a good byproduct of it, I think. And there's also, sorry, go ahead. No, go on. I was just going to say, there's also the, the um, challenge of, you know, in-laws versus parents. I know it's always easier for me to talk to my parents about something than Davis because um, they have to love me no matter, (laughs) no matter what I say to them. so I have, I have as much as I can tried to be the main conduit for those negotiations. Um, but yeah. Well, and I think there's a couple of things with that. So, you know, when I work with couples, it's really trying to identify what those rules are. And especially when it comes to in-laws, because sometimes you have to decide, okay, if something, you know, life is like popcorn, things pop up. If something pops up and, you know, it has to do with your family, I'd like for you to take the lead on that. And I think when there's not that expectation, that's where there's like, you know, the conflict and we we don't feel in alignment with things. Mm-hmm. And so just kind of identifying those roles and that can be temporarily. It doesn't mean it has to always be like that, but at least to be having those conversations And then you brought up, you know, a really interesting point regarding boundaries because it's so lucid. And I think that when we're setting boundaries, there are different ways to do it. And sometimes it does take having to sit down, have that direct conversation. Um, And sometimes it truly is just modeling through our behavior. And so as, you know, certain things start to happen, just kind of 
acknowledging, verbalizing, communicating, but it doesn't always have to be this, you know, um, business-like mm-hmm. discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes if boundaries are not being respected, you may need to go that route. And I think that that's what can be so confusing. And I love, again, reiterating what you said in the beginning and something I like to really And Heather, we talk about this all the time, like you have permission to change your mind and boundaries serve you for certain periods. And then you have to go back and you have to decide, can we loosen this? Does this need to be tightened? And and it's okay. Mm -hmm. I also like that you talked about it being a process. You know, people don't unlearn things in one go sometimes. And and you're kind of teaching your parents how to treat you as an mm-hmm. adult rather than the child they may still sort of see. I mean, I see my yeah. my adult children as as kids too sometimes, you know. So it it's a process. And so there's there's reminders, there's you know, ongoing conversations, you know, of, you know, this isn't working for me and I need this or whatever. And I I think, you know, we teach people how to treat us. And so it's an, it's an ongoing conversation that has to happen. Although I'm guessing based on the, how you were just talking about it, it's getting easier for you. Yeah. And yeah. And full credit to, I mean, we've been focusing on my in-laws, but full credit to them. I mean, it, I think it was probably shocking, of course, at first that we had these conversations, but now I think they've settled into yeah. a relatively good place and there's just little, little hiccups, which again, I would really honestly contribute it more to like COVID. I mean, mm-hmm. my mother-in-law sometimes comes by with the dogs without telling us. And I think part of it's just because she's like, maybe I get to see the kids because I haven't seen them in, a, you know, two days or something. So, and those sort of things too, it's like, all right, like Rihanna mentioned, um, you can you know, let it slide or sort of be like, oh yeah, by the way, just shoot me, shoot us a text, something just to let us know. Um, mm-hmm. But they have adapted very well as well to th- something that definitely didn't exist for them before we moved in. So, And I think that that's another good point. You know, just sometimes that anxiety and that anticipation on our end, because we're, it's unknown how they're going to respond. And more times than not, people are receptive and they want to learn and they want you to be honest with them so that they can have the best type of relationship with you. And I'm glad to hear that that's not always the case, but I'm, I'm glad to hear that it's working for you guys. And also that you've set up some boundaries to re- to respect their space too. Like it's a two way street. Mm-hmm. Like I like that because you. I mean, it could be just like everybody loves Raymond, and you're just up in yeah. each other's business all the time. It's just set up for disaster, you know. <laughs> oh, definitely. I I mean that is definitely the other path that we would have taken is if we hadn't set those boundaries, yeah. it would just be they would come over here freely. And I think at the same point I would be like, all right, well then I'm, we're just going to do the same thing to your area just because mm-hmm. there's no, there's no, yeah. nothing stopping any of us. So yeah, that's a good, I like that. Right. Comparison. Yeah. Right, it's right. My, it is my hope um, that my, that I think even though the initial reaction was like, Whoa, okay, Rihanna, when, when we first set this out, I also, I know my mom, especially because she was the in-law in the situation when, when they moved out here, when we were little kids, um, that her in-laws would not have even entertained the notion of a boundary. And there was a lot of, um, you know, conflict from that. So I think she, 
could definitely see from Davis's perspective, like what, what the difference could be. And I, I hope that that has been something that, um, that they have benefited from as well as us with, with knowing where everybody stands, I guess. And if listeners, if you can relate to this, and if you're noticing that you have boundaries that you want to have conversations about, Davis, you brought up a really great, you know, point, just that reciprocation. And so yes, sharing with them, here's how I'm feeling. So like, I feel blank, because blank, could you blank, that would make me feel blank. And Heather, we can even put something in the show notes like this is kind yeah, of we have an we have a nice statements worksheet that we can link to the that, script. that helps people, yeah, put those together. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's a great way. And then, you know, then asking them, what do you need from me? What would make you feel more comfortable? And I think when we go at it in more of that collaborative, proactive solution, um, that works best rather than, you know, just kind of talking at someone or telling them, you know, sitting them down and telling them that, but, but just having that open, open dialogue. Okay. So this has all been pretty heavy and and cool, (laughs) but I want to know what it's like to live on a farm. So, (laughs) so um, what have been some of the surprise benefits or new things you've learned to enjoy living out in the, in the boonies, as they say? Uh, Well, um, we have, to to kind of set the stage a little bit it's not it's not a fully functioning farm of course no. we we would call ourselves hobby good, farmers yeah, that's good. Like um that. but we have a flock of chickens whom i adore i think they're our favorite <laughs> feature of living out here um and we have two goats uh who we tolerate they're <laughs> tolerate is a very good word for that definitely <laughs> they're so. fine um, really i tolerate having... them less than Rihanna. yeah for sure. uh, which they're... we can get into as we continue on are they like little goats or like big goats no, they were they're supposed full size. to be little goats yeah, they're norwegian duped. dwarfs but they're probably about 90 pounds um oh. And I and, and I would say like height wise, they're definitely ninety percent of a full goat. I think, yeah, yeah, so. they're large dogs. But um, <laughs> so when we first moved out here, I guess to sort of um, both because I felt like if we did not try to, there's just again so much to do. If we didn't just go hard and try to do as much as we could all the time. Everything was just going to fall fall into further entropy. And we were just going to hit the inertia that led to, I mean, everything had been overgrown and neglected for 15 years or so. Um, And just like, and just clutter and just tons of stuff everywhere. So, So, you know, we were cleaning up the house and filling up dumpsters and stuff, but we also, I thought it would be a good idea to get goats so they could eat all the poison ivy around the house. And we immediately got chickens and um, the honeybees are almost extinct. So I better start beekeeping right Mm -hmm. now. And I also have, you know, a newborn baby and a little toddler and we, I, we just packed stuff in. And then and I had, wanted more fruit trees. So I bought a bunch of fruit trees to plant. We were and trying we to garden, garden all at the same like, time. So, so how did that did a, all work out? Terribly. <laughs> it, was, it went okay. The I mean, it went okay. I wouldn't say terribly. But what ended up happening though, and we still deal with this now a little bit, is because all of this was happening and we had a toddler and then Rihanna got pregnant like right at, you know, two years, what, 14 months after that or whatever it is because Sam is two years younger than George. Um, 
a lot of the responsibilities for outside upkeep fell to me, and then a lot of responsibilities for child upkeep fell to yeah. Deanna. And even now, we sort of default back to like if we, I think if we get stressed, I think that's sort of a little bit of a default that we'll go mm-hmm. to. Where it's like, all right, I need to go take care of the animals at night or whatever it is. And Rihanna's like, okay, even subconsciously, honestly, yeah. probably. And she's like, okay, well, I'll wash the kids and get them to bed. And we definitely like do ebbs and flows in that too, because we had just, like Rihanna said, conditioned ourselves and then, but had responsibilities we couldn't drop, which are our two kids. Um, and so that was something that, it was really nice because, you know, when you first moved in and told all of our friends from Cleveland that lived in the city, like, what are you guys doing? Oh, we have chickens and goats and bees and all these fruit yeah. and all this stuff. And then, you know, pull up the curtain a little bit and it's like, well, you know, Davis is getting up early, Rihanna staying up late with the kids and getting up at night. And like, so there definitely was that sort of situation occurring um, for the first few years that was bumpy for sure. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But to go back to the fun part of farming. Yeah, but the good part. (laughs) I mean, it is good. Yeah. I mean, we just, we, having this space, especially during Mm. the pandemic, like we couldn't go anywhere, but we're not on top of each other and on top of Mm. other people. Like we can go walk in the woods. We have a pond. Um, It's a little murky, but we ended up swimming in it all summer because there was nowhere else to go. And um, yeah, it's, it's really really beautiful there's bird song all the time say, like, and, and there's just a ton of birds and a ton of animals that run around that and the kids cats haven't caught, caught fully yet, feral so. uh yeah sam got in trouble for not in trouble but we we got a note home from daycare the other day because he peed outside on the playground because he's <laughs> just used to <laughs> going in the woods going yeah <laughs> <laughs> and he now just runs around barefoot all the time, like yeah. not even just unprompted. He's just like, I'm fine. And so he just yeah. takes his shoes off and just runs across the yard. So, yeah. But I will say, um, so there's there was this quote that stuck with me. I read Bossy Pants, Tina Fey's book, like soon after we moved in here. And there was a quote in there that was basically just like, if you want to do something, say yes and figure out how to get it done after you've said yes, which I think is probably good advice if you're building your career. It's bad advice if you are, you know, (laughs) just trying to live your life. It's not a good way to um, parse out what matters and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. But um, again, it just felt like we wanted to do everything. If we didn't do it right now, while it was all really hard, we would find excuses forever to not do it. And that was like beekeeping. But um, it was really hard to do everything. So where did you have to start saying no after these, like the floodgates of yes came through? Yeah. So, um, the beekeeping, honestly, I think was yeah. like the breaking point. Yeah, that was, it was, I do want to get back to that in a couple of years once we've, uh, picked up on stuff, but yeah, as things started failing. So the bees died during the winter. I don't think I did a good job of, of preparing them for winter and really learning as much as I needed to. Um, and just really having to like, instead of trying to clean out the barn and finish the basement and build a giant garden all at the same time, it's really just looking at the long view. Um, and as I think, counter to our personalities as that is to wait and trust that we're going to be able to maintain the um the discipline to stick to a long-term plan knowing that okay this year even though we really want to 
clean out the barn and sell the tractor and do this. We need to stay in the house and redo the driveway this year. And that's probably going to be as much as we can get done. And really trying to do so much all at the same time has, I think, given us a really good perspective on just how much we can get done in one right. year yeah, that we're right. better able to like cut ourselves off and say, yeah, that's not going to happen right. as much as we you want to your limits now. Yeah. 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 Well, and I'm wondering what was going on for you in those moments that you wanted to say yes to so many things, because I think as people, we have a tendency where we throw all of these seeds and we're like, all right, let's see what grows. And then we get frustrated because we can't truly give these things in our life the, you know, the proper um, the nurturing. Exactly. And and so sometimes, it, but it's a hard lesson to learn. So I'm wondering, you know, from your guys's perspective, what was going on that we that you noticed yourself kind of being like, yes, 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 let's do all of these things instead of kind of the taking our time, the gradual. I think because we had been, I mean, like we've said, Rihanna said, and I've said, like, I mean, it's beautiful and wonderful here. And we're like, oh my gosh, there's so many possibilities and we can create a little haven of our own space. And if we did this and did this and did this. And so we just started running down that list and then before we realized it, it was just, there's just way too much going on at that point. Yeah. And so. And and not to get morbid, but this was all happening. My grandparents were still alive when we moved out here, um, but not for long. And, you know, I would visit them in the nursing home and they would be asking what we were doing and talking about all that they had hoped to accomplish and seeing people, you know, who are in their eighties who had the same ideas of things that they had wanted to accomplish and, and never got around to it. Uh, so you kind of, of wanted to finish their story yeah. for them or just, you know, I didn't want to end up in this, in the same place. I didn't want to be 80 years old and being like, Oh, well, I wish I had done this. Um, so there was a sort of manufactured urgency to it. Yeah. Um, that's that is one of my fears is like getting too old and being like, where's my trees at? I mean, yeah. So like, because I like planting and gardening and stuff, right? Yeah. But like, I and need you do years. have to plan pretty far exactly. ahead for yeah. And I don't want to, <laughs> for apple for trees. trees. <laughs> yeah. How far ahead? Me. I'm I'm curious. How far ahead do you have to plant? Like. To get like a nice big full tree, like 10 years, like you'll start wow. getting fruit like after five years, but it's not like you would yeah. see in an orchard. And then pear trees take even longer because they're <laughs> fickle, I guess. I don't know. So, um, so yeah. And so that's what I enjoy. So that's why I was like, let's get all the stuff in the ground. But then the goats, because the goats don't like to be contained anymore. We have to sort of plan this. We just have free ranging goats that live on our property, which is very nice because we have so much space. They don't go like, they don't do anything. They're just, I'm like dogs. waiting for my invite because this <laughs> no. sounds One day so can, yeah. fun. Ideal. The kids will yeah. love it. Yeah. Except for the obnoxious goats, but <laughs> yeah, well, it's because they want to eat my stuff. So then I have to like, then I stress because I'm like, Oh, I forgot to wrap a tree up and they're trying to chew on it. And then it's like, so, so like, but the goats are wonderful. They are just big dogs. Like, just think of like a very, very big dog. And that's how they'll run up to us because they're hungry and they get pets and stuff like that, too. Mm -hmm. So they're pretty funny. As much as I hate them, they are pretty nice. And it's nice <laughs> having them around. So. so it sounds like you've kind of 
settled in and kind of gotten to know what really matters to you guys and not necessarily you don't feel compelled to live up to other people's expectations anymore. Right. Yeah. My expectations are way hard enough to, (laughs) to to live up to (laughs) without factoring anybody else's. Totally. The truth for all of us. I can relate to that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So you touched on this for a minute and, um, and, and in preparing for this interview, we, we talked about a little bit, but um, you've mentioned looking at, life in terms of seasons and thinking about the long game. And that I think that relates to what we were just talking about a little bit. So tell us more about that. Yeah. So there is, it it was a hard earned lesson, you know, the, the, the baby years, literally sitting underneath a feeding baby looking out the window and watching the weeds grow and, and knowing that there was nowhere else I could be, there was no other way to do it, but, but what I was doing and almost, you know, a surrendering of this is the path that we're on and there's no way to go any faster. And, um, I need to stop wishing for it to go faster. Uh, there's, I, I think, Um, I felt a lot of impatience when I had little, little babies, because it felt Mm -hmm. like, you know, there's really just that hard stop on productivity, even if I could stay up until 11 o'clock at night doing stuff after the kids fall asleep, that's useless if they're going to be up three times between seven and 11 anyway. Um, so really just, again, I think it's that the challenge of having seen the generations before me only make so much headway on their own life dreams and goals and trusting that I am going to, you know, not lose sight of them and be able to accept them if they evolve as I get older and pick up where you leave off when you, when you need to to take that detour, Sarah, that you were talking about. And, and I think early parenthood is a detour and it's a really good training ground. I think Davis and I are both way more efficient and adaptable Mm. than we ever would have been had we not, um, tried all the hard stuff during the, the early baby years. But yeah, I think even seeing now our, our oldest kid is on the, on the, horizon of kindergarten this fall and and things are already you know pandemic notwithstanding it's starting to get easier and we're starting to be able to um get more done with the time that we have and feel like we have more time to work on our own stuff so it's yeah i think it is coming to the coming to the conclusion that we are in a particular season and it is not a failure and it is not just us not being able to figure out the right way to do things um the right way to do things was the way we were doing it there's there's just a a hard a hard limit on how much you can get done in in certain periods of time so and i think 
you know, meeting yourself with grace and compassion during those times. And you said it beautifully, you know, we're not failing. We're just, you know, adjusting the sail right now. And it's motherhood is the craziest stinking thing because it's like you want things to slow down, but speed up. And it's like you're in this in between. And so when we can just pause and take a breath and acknowledge like, what do I need to be my best? And I heard you say, and I needed to sleep and I needed to make sure that I was doing being inside, not overexerting my energy by going and pulling those weeds. I needed to be sitting here with the baby and, and that felt right in that moment. And, and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Accepting the season you're in living in the moment. I talk about my grandmother a lot. She graduated from college when she was 59 years old. Wow. And yeah, she was a, she worked her way, went to night school for years and years and years. She finally finished. And then she eventually retired. And then she had a whole like second career. And it was her dream career, what she really wanted to do. And it was, and I just hold that up all the time as like, you know, or I think of grandma Moses, the painter who became famous when she was like 90, like, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's time and there are different seasons for us to do things. Um, we just have to accept who we are and what we're capable of mm-hmm. in the and, moment. And we're not on anyone else's timeline. Right. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. Well, this has been an amazing conversation, but before you go, we always ask our guests for a golden nugget of advice. And I don't know if you each want to do one um, or if you want to. Oh, we, we didn't brainstorm one together though now. So. Oh, okay. okay. So <laughs> Cause I don't know what that would look like. That's, that's for the next time. We'll brainstorm one. Um, uh, should it be like around boundary setting and nose, or do you want some like farm farm advice? You could do. <laughs> you should do the latter. I would be Ever. curious about what you would say. Uh, what you've learned about bees? No, don't um, trust. Uh, don't trust the size of a goat when you buy it as a baby goat. Is what the way. I keep trying to imagine these goats as dogs. I'm trying to like train my brain, and it's it's interesting. Well, it is bonkers. I will say you do have an open invitation. You'll want to wear boots. They are uh, free sure. range yeah. chickens and goats. So there's just poop everywhere. But mm-hmm. um, okay, advice. I I kind of spent this tidbit earlier, but I think the advice I would have around um, boundary setting is that it's not a set it and forget it. And mm-hmm. um, on both sides, of, of that boundary, there are adjustments that you, that I have felt that I've needed to make because maybe I set the boundary t- too firmly or, you know, the situation has changed. And there's also, you know, especially when, when I have been trying to kind of rewrite the rules of a very long relationship, uh, you can't necessarily expect people to just, um, instantly embrace and remember all the time when, when we're used to doing things a different way. So I think that's my, my non-farm advice to offer. It's and a if, great takeaway. And if you um, get baby chicks, the uh, <laughs> best way to keep them warm instead of a heat lamp, because that's a big fire hazard is just to use a heating pad over a little wire um, dome so they can hide under it like a mother hen. So that's oh, my little tip of farm wisdom. <laughs> awesome. Um, 
my little nugget, Rihanna mentioned this just a minute ago and I wrote down Rihanna exclamation point, but just that uh, people, and I was worried you're going to bring this up because that would be funny if we did have something similar and then didn't talk about it, but um, just people are more adaptable than we've talked about this a bunch. Like we, we had our own ways. We felt really comfortable in it. Um, but you know, when things change, we were able to work together, honestly, talk about it and then change things. And then, back to the boundaries thing too. I mean, for however many, many years, decades, there was an expectation um, with her parents and her grandparents and sort of how that interaction was. And then, you know, they were adaptable and they've sort of been happy about um, the, the new way that we are sort of living together in this little uh, space that we share. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. That was what I was looking for. Um, and so like, you know, people are just really adaptable. And so sometimes it might be tough or to either make the decisions or have the conversation. But um, for the most part, I think we all are usually surprised at ourselves and then what other people are willing to do. So I think that's an important point. I think sometimes our fear gets in the way uh, more than actual reality. Yeah, we try and fortune tell and we try and assume what's going to happen rather than just allowing ourselves to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, great advice. Great conversation. You guys are adorable. And we will take you up on that uh, offer. I'm sure we'll we'll plan a trip when we all have the all clear. I'll go buy my boots. Yeah. (laughs) So wonderful talking with you both. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. And thanks for, you know, putting out that challenge in the first place and getting our, you know, getting the gears moving in my head and inspiring me to reach out to Sarah and look what you did. Yeah. I'm so, I mean, all I did was plant, plant the shadow of a seed. You have made this bloom into something so great. Um, I was listening to a couple episodes earlier this week in preparation for this and it is, it is so awesome. I'm, I'm loving what you're putting out. I, we, I made Davis do the burnout countdown on our hands. And we oh, both, yeah. We both <laughs> had no it figures. Helps. Did you have a fist? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, we both did. I had like seven yeah. down. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, congratulations on all of this. I'm so, I'm so glad that you're doing it. It's a great. Thank you. Great contribution to the podcast space. Thanks. Okay, well. Cool. Thank you, guys. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Thank you guys. Thank you guys thank so you. much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Special thanks to Rihanna Carusis of Collective Reach and the Social Distance Happy Hour podcast, who inspired and challenged us to start this podcast and helped us produce our first episode. Thanks also to our families and friends for all their encouragement and support. And to you, our listeners, for joining us on this adventure. That's a Hard No is a joint production of Clever Girl Marketing and Purposeful Growth and Wellness. Logo design by Angela Giacco of A Pink Sunset. You can find her at apinksunset.com. Music by G.G. Riggs. Until next time, thanks for listening. And remember, saying no isn't just okay. Saying no is the key to living an authentic fulfilling life. So do it. Find your no, then say it unapologetically. That's a hard no.
Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I Offer You Some Feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.